Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. Ladies and gentlemen, at the end of round number one, Perdeen has called a stop to this contest based on a doctor's garbage. Declaring the winner by Chief A.O. Dustin the Diamond What is up, everybody? What is going on? My apologies if you just heard the reverb from uh, the live YouTube video podcast feed of the Iktagon. It's been a while. Obviously, I made a producing editing mistake by leaving a live window open. I remember uh, that wouldn't go over so well when I was in front of very, very unhappy hosts at my previous job. And uh, I agree, it's unprofessional, so... We're going to keep it as professional as we can. And uh, I'm glad you guys are joining me. Again, the number for the Octagon to call, to comment, to leave a voicemail, to tell me how you feel about fights, martial arts, life, anything you want to get off your chest in your marriage, uh, with kids, with your friends, with your family, religion, politics, just kidding on the last two. I mean, if you're sweet enough, maybe we could discuss that stuff but i don't trust you guys so the number to call is 646-820-9848 or comment on the link that i posted in twitter it's the last tweeted tweet that i posted so you guys could find me there again this is the recap of ufc 264 as you heard at the top of the show that was bruce buffer given a beautiful beautiful announcement for Dustin the Diamond Poirier after he had a TKO due to the doctor stoppage against the one the only the notorious one Kana McGregor and the only reason why it was a doctor stoppage was because McGregor was letting the judge and the referee in the Nevada State Athletic Commission yell Uh, know that it was a doctor stoppage. Very weird, very weird. He's on the floor with a broken lower leg and he's yelling, it was a doctor stoppage, it was a doctor stoppage. Like to avoid his body going into shock and letting reality set in, he's still fighting with adrenaline and just screaming at the top of his lungs, disgusting nastiness and still fighting for his reputation. And it's literally like, the image of the guy who's just falling down to the floor, but yet he's still punching air and I'm still here. I still got it. No, Connor, you haven't had it for a while. You have not had it for a while. So take a bow, take a breath, take it easy. 
because you got a long road ahead of you physically, mentally, financially, your focus on business and your entrepreneurial ships should just be phenomenal. It should be off the charts over the next 12 to 18 months, however long it takes for him to get back to his peak physical condition. His businesses, proper 12, his charities and donations should just be phenomenal. It should be and reach a new peak. And that's cool because it seemed like Connor was a businessman over the last five years. And when he started as the businessman, everything was cool. You could say that the business guy started around the Aldo fight. I think the, the first time he didn't wear a suit or the last time he didn't wear a suit to a one-on-one -on -one press conference with Dana White in the middle was UFC 194. Not that it's a big deal, but he was wearing casual clothes. He seemed the most at his zen. Go back and watch the buildup to UFC 194. The most at his zen. Didn't seem like the weight cut killed him like it did for UFC 189 against Chad Mendes. He seemed in perfect balance with his mind, body, soul. And then after UFC 194, Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz again, Eddie Alvarez, and then Money Mac started. And then he fought Money Mayweather in 2017. Rich man, sold his whiskey across the world, became one of the richest athletes in history, in the world, especially in combat sports, especially in mixed martial arts. And then we saw the businessman who seemed to get high off his own supply. It's funny that I quote Biggie because Connor walks out to uh, the notorious song from VIG. Uh, but Connor. He turned that fight against Khabib very personal, maybe to, like I said, get high off his own supply, to spark something that may have not been there, to really get personal, because maybe he was compensating or overcompensating for the lack of physical effort and focus that he put into the training camp against Khabib. That press conference was dark. And as Dana White said, the UFC 229 press conference in Radio City. I had the privilege of being there in person and McGregor dressed like the Joker. He had multiple bottles of whiskey, the multiple championship belts. Him and Dana White toasted to their success. Dana White's like, yeah, Connor, cheer. whatever you want me to do, brother, I'll, I'll cheers right now. This whiskey tastes like piss, but cheers, brother. We're making a ton of money off this fight. Dana White, the ultimate businessman and promoter, of course. Dana, Don King, White, knows what he's doing in fight, build, 
and fight hype. He is a fight lifer and he knows how to sell a fight. Go watch his role in the McGregor Mayweather hype and build up. Dana White was Conor McGregor's best friend and buddy. As we saw with the UFC 229 buildup and Khabib just stoic, soldier-like, took it on the chin in that buildup. Really remained patient and unfazed by Conor McGregor's stuff and comments and personal attacks on his father, who, as we know, recently passed away and is the big reason why Khabib has retired. Conor McGregor took to task Khabib's religion, his country, his manager, even said some nasty comments about his wife, made it extremely, extremely personal. And as we all know now, and as many casual new MMA and fight fans saw following Khabib's four-plus-round domination of Conor McGregor that led to a rear-naked choke submission. Khabib was affected by all the trash talk that led up to that moment, and he expressed himself by uncontrollable anger and throwing his mouthpiece at Connor's corner and pointing to Connor's jiu-jitsu coach, Dylan Dennis, who is now just a instigator in the combat sports and YouTube world, Logan Paul, basically every fighter under the sun trying to get a fight with Dylan Dennis because he is big money, because he is an instigator, because he is part of the Conor McGregor clan. And Khabib jumped the fence and attacked him, and the rest is history. We never got to hear Khabib speak on the microphone he never got the belt wrapped around his waist. He never spoke at a press conference. He tried to. He tried to, but he was too emotional. And what I would have loved for Khabib to do on that night was just take the belt, grab the microphone, and speak his piece, be the bigger man than Conor McGregor. What Dustin Poirier did. Because Conor McGregor got very, very nasty in this lead-up with Dustin Poirier. He attacked and questioned Poirier's long-running foundation, the Good Fight Foundation, which Poirier, after every fight, he donates his fight gear, uh, helps his charity in Louisiana, and is overall a good guy. And McGregor tried to get nasty again. I haven't seen him this nasty since 2018 in the lead up to the Khabib fight. And he took shots, unnecessary shots, and brought more family into this. Poirier's wife. <sighs> and it was very uncalled for. And Connor's not the last one laughing. He's the first one crying in this whole situation. And I just want you guys to hear the post-fight comments from uh, Dustin Poirier. He deserves to be heard from. Dustin Poirier, Dustin, 
First of all, congratulations on a very impressive victory. You and Connor are going. Let's see what he's saying. Go get him. I, I would go to him as well. Connor's on the floor I want right your now. Thoughts on the fight because screaming the fight something, was Justin going your way. Obviously, you got him down. You landed some vicious ground and pound. And in the last seconds of the fight, boy, it was very crazy patient. Freak accident. He misses a punch and breaks his own ankle. He uh, he fractured on one of the checks at the beginning of the fight. Then it broke on a punch, yeah, for sure. When I pointed at him at the beginning of the fight, that's when I checked the good kick. I bet that's when it cracked. You felt it. I felt something, but I, I mean, he's kicking me hard, you know? It makes more sense that it broke where it broke in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it was probably cracked, and then just on Andres the, on the floor the punch, with finished, you know, blood pouring out of his ears. Still a very strange fight. It nasty the first fight, sure. there was all this animosity. The second fight, Connor was very friendly to you. But then leading up to this third fight in the, the, the last few weeks, he's made things very personal. Yeah, I can take, you know, like exactly. even the trash, like it's there's true. no host bar with the trash truck, right? But murder is something you don't clown around. You know, there's no coming back from that. And this guy was saying he was going to murder me and all kinds of stuff. He was telling me he was going to kill me tomorrow. I'm going to leave here in a coffin. You don't talk like that to people, man. I hope this guy gets home safe to his family. You know, that's class. The way the that's fight was answer. going, clearly you felt like it was going in your way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did hit me with a good cross, just like the last fight. I didn't see it, and he kind of clipped me uh, a little bit. Buzz, my legs were still there. Takedown was. He was putting his fingers in my glove and pulling me down to throw the up kicks. I was trying to let Herb know that this guy's a dirtbag, man. The ground and pound was very effective and everybody booing everybody booing you can kiss my whole ass that's right everybody dustin poye is a huge fan of jay-z i'm like fuck critics you can kiss my whole asshole if you don't like my lyrics you can press fast forward oh that was great that was great you got to love Dustin Poirier because this is a dude from the gutter. He's not a guy who had a tough suburbia life or was raised in the city and protected. This guy is from the hood of Louisiana. Yeah. Y'all can just kiss my hoe as you guys heard it. Good for good for Dustin because While it would have been uh, even more stoic for him to, I guess, ride off into the sunset and say, this is true martial arts. We need to be true martial artists. Like Israel Asanya says, which I love because that is what it's about, true martial arts. He had to stand up for himself. And it, it was pent up as we saw what Connor can do to Khabib. He can just get under your skin. And Dustin Poirier, he was like, dude, you're still talking while you're on the floor with a broken leg after being dominated. And after getting knocked out six months ago, you're still talking. You're saying that a whole bunch of crap, a whole bunch of crap in the lead up of this fight. Conor McGregor was disrespectful to jujitsu and submissions and wrestling. He said that Khabib wrestled me 10 seconds in and Dustin Poirier wrestled me 15 seconds in and I only live my fight by knockouts getting knocked out and knocking out people he said that in his career he's 18 and 18 and one 18 knockouts Woo, that's an amazing number and one loss because of only 
receiving one knockout loss, which we saw at UFC 257 against Dustin Poirier. Well, dude, if that's how you feel about jujitsu wrestling, why the hell are you jumping for guillotines? Why are you also now uh, one of the Gracie members and trying to choke out Dustin Poirier? You don't even know what you're doing. Ally Quinton pointed out on Twitter, you got to love Al, raging Al. Shout-outs to him and Aaron Weinbaum for starting the new show, Call Me Al. But Ally Quinta pointed out, you don't jump to guillotine with your back against the fence. And as I'm going to point out, Conor McGregor, you also wrap your legs around your opponent for a guillotine. And what Dana pointed out, if you're not going to jump to guillotine and not wrap your legs properly around your opponent for a guillotine on the floor, This was amazing by Dana White, who grew up in the boxing world, who's obviously been part of mixed martial arts for the last 20-plus years. He said, Connor, just keep the choke and basically walk your opponent to the center and kind of do that that standing guillotine where you you see people's opponents get lifted off the ground. They're on their tippy toes, and they tap like that. That's a great call by Dana White. Connor McGregor did none of that. Didn't bring the, the choke to the center of the octagon. He jumped guard with his fence again, uh, with his back against the fence, and he didn't wrap his legs around Dustin Poirier. Man, it was just poor, poor, poor strategy. And Dustin Poirier was calm and cool, kept it together in the uh, in the grappling exchanges. Seemed. Not worried about what Connor was going to do. Connor was holding on for dear life. And at some point, the feeling goes through your mind like, oh my gosh, what's when do I cut my losses with the choke and let go of the choke to save your the blood swelling up your arm, which you would need for striking and continuous grappling exchanges. But he he seemed desperate. He seemed lost. He didn't seem focused. He came out firing. He looked phenomenal in the beginning with his kicks, his spinning back kicks or spinning turn kicks that Joe Rogan was pointing out, who is a Taekwondo black belt. But Connor just seemed not focused because Dustin Poirier quickly turned around the fight again with a lower calf kick. McGregor then switches stances and... Starts to backpedal as Dustin Poirier presents pressure and more heat in the boxing exchanges, uppercut, overhand, switching stances. That's what put McGregor against the fence. And Poirier looked phenomenal as he put the pressure on McGregor. And good job by Dustin. Seriously, the good guy wins. Everybody's booing Dustin as he's entering as he's entering the octagon and they're cheering McGregor as he enters and somebody in the post-fight press conference made an excellent point. Why are we booing the good guy and cheering the bad guy? This is like the dark night where the Joker can't lose. No matter what, there's a counter to a counter. And the Joker always wins. But no. Batman's cool too. 
He may be a little bored, but he is cool. The Joker is fun. The Joker's uh basically a fun buddy to go out with, drink with. Uh, but he ain't there 365. And we need that as a UFC champion, somebody who lives their life as a true martial artist. Following the UFC 257, Dustin Poirier said he knew this fight was going to be booked. He went back to Louisiana, started training at his roots. And uh, I want to talk about his roots more in a documentary called Fightville that features Dustin Poirier and other local Louisiana fighters. But anyway, Dustin Poirier went back to his roots, the Fightville roots. He knew the fight was going to happen. He didn't get too out of shape, you know. And then he flew back to his super gym, American Top Team in Coconut Creek, Florida, where fighters like Jorge Masvidal train, Tyron Woodley train, Greg Hardy trains, Joanna Young Jacek, Tiago Santos, Epson Barbosa, just a who's who. Of fighters it's considered the best gym in the world led by coaches like dean thomas mike brown owned by dan lambert it's just the absolute true meaning of a super gym and dustin poria trained there in his preparation for this fight and it showed he was better uh, Jorge Masvidal in the, the lead up to this fight on one of the UFC embedded videos he goes Dustin he, he was mocking a reporter he goes Dustin what, what are you gonna do uh, what, sir what are you gonna do uh, if he checks the leg kicks and Dustin was like uh, if he checks the leg kicks I went to the leg kicks because they were the calf kicks because they were there uh, I'll do something else that helps me win the fight and boom Exactly. Exactly. Whoops. That was an accidental uh, flash of the chesticles there. As you guys <laughs> accidentally saw, I am uh, naked right now. <laughs> Just laying on my throne. Shout outs to Sean O'Malley. And we'll get to the rest of the UFC 260 card, but just this main event, there is too much not to talk about and focusing on the camps. McGregor's last camp was in Portugal. He obviously flies out his, his trainer forever, his head coach, John Cavanaugh, to wherever he's training and training partners. And now this camp was moved. Khabib actually took a shot at Connor following his knockout loss in January against Poirier, saying this is what happens when you don't stay loyal to your roots. Woo! Khabib, he's got some zingers. And that actually uh, affected Connor more than anything. Khabib actually gets to Connor more than anybody. And I can elaborate later. But few and very far in between people can get to Connor. Look, a broken leg, a TKL loss, 
domination, embarrassment in front of the whole world doesn't get to Connor. He's still spitting hate at Dustin Poirier. Undeservedly, obviously. And Poirier's confused, like, dude, you're you're such a such a loser. What do you listen to yourself? <laughs> it's it's true. It's the it's the drunk guy in the bar who's knocked out on the floor, be like, Yeah, I got you right where I want you. It's sad. It's sad more than anything. And I hope Conor McGregor can spin this forward into positivity. Can once he brings his companies to the even greater heights, that he can focus on what he really wants. If that is martial arts training, obviously he'll always be a part of martial arts. It brought him to where he is, his Taekwondo, his boxing, his grappling. It helped him achieve great heights. No doubt, obviously. But does he still want to compete at the highest level? I would have to agree with Daniel Cormier and Joe Rogan. I would think the answer is no. I don't think he is a top five fighter right now. He was number five ranked in the world going into this fight. I'd say that he's not anymore. He needs to find himself. Hey, I like the RDA fight. I like the Ally Kinta fight. If he wants to come back and he feels that he needs to fight a striker, somebody that could get him ready for Dustin Poirier, that, that makes sense. Both those guys have gone five rounds, have good pace, could give him a test, could find out if he really is ready to uh, fight for the top five. I know both of those fighters. Rafael Dos Anjos and Raging Ally Kinta would love to get their hands on McGregor. You know, not only for the payday, but to challenge themselves. They love competition. And Conor McGregor was getting high off his own supply. As I said, one of the 10 crack commandments. He was feeding into his own hype. He was doing the easiest job in the kitchen, which is stirring the pot stirring the pot trying to get himself up for these fights against khabib and for dustin poirier and can you blame him he comes off setting record after record after record after record everybody telling him telling him how great he is year after year after year he fights floyd mayweather That alone can test Conor McGregor's modesty and humbleness and true-to-himself martial arts training. Maybe the boxing thing kind of poisoned him because the boxing model is just to talk and talk and talk and sell and sell and sell. The cool thing about martial arts at its core Go listen to Bruce Lee. Go listen to Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. Martial arts at its core is to be humble, modest, respect your opponent. But don't be a pushover. Stand your ground. Respect your opponent, but stand up for yourself. Defend yourself. Self-defense is the core of martial arts. The samurai, the Bushido code. Defend yourself and then express your offense. 
what kind of offense is trash talk? I understand mental warfare and mental warfare of war in the art of war. Make your opponents wait. Don't show up for the battle. Really piss off your opponent and make them make a mistake. And it makes sense, especially in today's time. There are no sh- uh, swords, horseback riding, fighting at the crack of dawn, guerrilla warfare, fighting when your opponent isn't ready at sunrise or whatever. There is lead up. There is trash talk. There is social media. So I understand that. But it can't be McGregor style anymore because it's not true. He's not true to it. As I always say, truth is revealed on fight night. Were you committed to your diet? Were you committed to your training and being disciplined? And were you committed the whole time to giving everything you got in fight night, giving your soul? And the truth came out. Poirier was having an easier time in the trilogy fight than in the rematch. McGregor looked better in the rematch. He rocked Poirier a couple times in the second fight. In the third fight, what did McGregor do? Land heavy leg kicks? Where did that get him? I I 100% believe that those heavy leg kicks because McGregor is a cheetah. He's a sprinter. He's a panther. He's an elite athlete for seven minutes. Powerful punches, powerful strikes. Maybe if he did it more in training, like really not kind of just get into flow mode, really just did exhausting power punches for 25 minutes. He would crack through a new level of fighter. Seems that he's just taking it easy and flowing, going through the motions in training. And then when it's fight night, he speeds up everything to 100 miles an hour, revs his car to 7,000 RPMs, and then his car runs out of gas. He's an eight-gallon type of fighter or eight-gallon uh, mile-per-gallon fighter. Doesn't have that economy Prius that like a Nate Diaz has or a Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje have. Practice what you preach and practice makes perfect. And what you practice is how you perform or practice how you perform. And McGregor has been exposed. He's got no gas tank. When his opponents take his best shot, he quickly fades. You see his soul just leave his body. He gets desperate. He shot the legs of Nate Diaz. He tried to grab a hold of a a guillotine, which was, woo, that was surprising, against Dustin Poirier. McGregor has to look in the mirror and see if he really, really, really wants to be a martial artist who competes at the highest level. He can always be a martial artist. George St. Pierre has not stopped training. He says it keeps the demons away, keeps the edge off, keeps them focused. I respect that. Conor McGregor, we will learn a lot about your interests 
in the next 12 to 18 months. And God bless your brother. Rest up, heal up. As we've seen, if your focus is to come back at the highest level, you can be like a Chris Wyman who's already walking after a more devastating leg injury. A leg injury that saw Chris Wyman's leg go through the skin, the bone. Disgusting. And Chris Weidman is an idol of mine. I respect him for how he carries himself. I respect him for his in-the-cage performances, his hard work. And Chris Weidman has made it a goal of his to fight again. Maybe next year. Maybe late next year. He's already walking. He's already throwing punches. Chris Weidman does not have a world-booming whiskey company. He does not. Conor McGregor does. I would put all the chips on black and spin the wheel that Conor McGregor will now focus on stuff that doesn't involve kicking, punching, grappling. And he will take his entrepreneurial stuff to a whole nova level. No doubt. But this is the Conor McGregor that we are stuck with right now here we go obviously stopped in a horrible way give us your thoughts on how it was going i was boxing the bleeding head off I'm you're boxing the bleeding head off you're kicking the bleeding leg off this is not over this is, no it, it is you should give up he said that he believes that one of the not kicks that he it's personal it could be it's war there was no check it was not one of them i checked your wife is in me DMs, hey baby. And then attacks the wife, go personal. She'll be after the after party. Called her an HO. Connor, you you miss with a punch and step Okay, Connor. At least you're humble in the Tell us what you felt. Tell us what you thought was going on. Just the thing had separated and we bleed and landed on the wonky leg like Anderson Silver that time. Something similar to that. Business. Something similar to Anderson Silva. Didn't he kick Chris Wyman? It was a wild fight for as long as it lasted. I'm sure you'll be back. And I'm Rogan's sure you're laying on the floor Dustin for this And I'm sure he'll oblige you. Uh, see, real quickly, Joe Rogan saying, I'm sure he'll oblige you in the fourth fight. And Dana White hinted that. Uh, oh, one more thing with the Conor McGregor, uh, how he sounded laying on the floor saying, I was boxing the bleeding head off. I don't think he landed one punch to the head and that he was kicking the bleeding leg off that's right bs um mcgregor come on you guys go watch mcgregor lose to nate diaz there's class at the end of that for some reason he had to just get very just downright personal with Khabib and Poirier and his insecurities just scream but with Joe Rogan insinuating that there's going to be a fourth fight and Dana White almost guaranteeing that there's going to be a fourth fight in what world should there be a fourth fight In what world? Because this pisses me off because fanboys and contrarians 
and devil's avocados are going to cling on to the fact that there needs to be a fourth fight, that there was an injury, that there was nothing done by Dustin Poirier that gave him the win. This is stupid thinking. This is very, very stupid and dangerous thinking in martial arts because we've seen this multiple times. And I'm a Diaz fan, but he did lose to Masvidal. Everybody says that the UFC 244 main event, the bad uh, BMF title, Jorge Masvidal against Nate Diaz was not a true win for Jorge Masvidal. That because of the doctor stoppage, it doesn't count as a win. Also, if you look at the fight, Brent Primus against Michael Chandler, the first fight, Brent Primus did one of those low calf kicks and sent Michael Chandler's leg into a tizzy and his nerves into a tizzy and Chandler couldn't stand on his leg, couldn't make it out of the corner. And people like, oh, that's okay. You know, we have no, we have no dog in the fight with Primus or Chandler. You know, they're nice guys. They'll run it back. But then what really pissed me off is when this fight got to Marlon Cheeto Vera and Sean O'Malley. And Cheeto Vera kicked the crap out of Sean O'Malley's calf, sent into a tizzy. O'Malley couldn't stand. The fight went to the floor and then was eventually stopped. Sean O'Malley considers himself still undefeated after he lost to Cheeto Vera because his body gave out. He said that because of some one in a million leg kick and because his body failed him, that it shouldn't count as a loss. You guys are morons. You guys are idiots. And for the fans that still consider this fight one and one, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, or one, one and one, as I've seen on Twitter, and that Sean O'Malley didn't lose to Cheeto Vera, you guys are idiots. You guys are the problem. You're not looking at the facts. You're ignoring things. You're not looking in the mirror what's wrong. This is an opportunity for Conor McGregor to grow. The fight against Cheeto Vera was an opportunity for Sean O'Malley to grow. There's nothing wrong with growing. Nothing wrong with growing. Go watch the documentary Fightville with Dustin Poirier. Now, Poirier doesn't really face adversity until he made it to the UFC. He was kind of the local rising star in this documentary is kind of the, uh, the golden golden child, but his teammate, I forget the, was it Alan Stainback did not have as fast a rise as Dustin Poirier and faced a lot of mental and physical adversity in his career. And it really puts in perspective how hard it is to make it to where these guys make it. And everybody's just, nobody's sure if Dustin Poirier is going to make it to the UFC in this documentary. They're like, you know, he's got potential. He's, he's living his dream. We'll see what happens. The documentary ends with him signing to the UFC. But the reality of it is Dustin Poirier was doing everything perfect. Put his entire pot 
to make a gambling reference, put his entire pot to the middle of the table and bet on himself and put all his focus into that. You could see how advanced he was for the time and for the scene. I think this is 2009 of how focused he was on rehydration, cutting weight, keeping the right attitude. And meanwhile, you could see his teammate who's battling relationships, financial adversity, just wasn't sure exactly what he was going to do. Uh, maybe the belief and confidence confidence wasn't to the level as Dustin Poirier, but it put in perspective how hard it is to get to where these guys are today. And Poirier, fast forward to the UFC, had a bunch of adversity. The first fight against McGregor was knocked out. The fight against Michael Johnson knocked out. This is all at 145 pounds. And then he moves up a weight class. And he starts to figure it out and learn. And as he said, to stop overthinking things and to relax. And it's funny that he was an overthinker because in the documentary, Fightville, awesome documentary. It really fires you up if you want to be a fighter and puts in perspective if you're on the fence about fighting as a career. Because you got to really put everything on the line. But Dustin Poirier was the cool cat, the calm customer in the documentary. But in the UFC, he faced his first adversity. Losses, bad weight cuts, knockouts, embarrassment. And he learned from that. Again, there's a lot of guys who make it to the UFC like Poirier, who are the golden childs of their dojos or gyms of their towns, of their cities, who make it to the UFC. And the show's just getting started. Real money doesn't start till you get your feet under you, till you get your second contract, till you're making more than $10,000 a fight. And at that time, I think it might have been five to show, five to win. And that's a lot. I get it. For a guy who's like Dustin Poirier, who was making $1,000, $2,000 for a fight in Louisiana, headlining events, they mark, uh, he was the marquee event. They marketed everything around his events. But it just shows you how hard it is to get to this level. And respect for Conor McGregor on the, the, the reverse side of this. If you watch his documentary, The Notorious, uh, I think it's just called Notorious, which was produced by Universal. Uh, Dustin Poirier's was produced by, uh, I think, Pornhub. No, just kidding. It, it seemed like a small production, but they did an excellent job. Um, off the top of my head, I'm forgetting. Dustin Poirier's sensei and coach was the star of this. This guy motivates you, and I love his old-school samurai way of handling his students and adversity and motivation. It was just beautiful. His sentiments in the film was awesome. I gravitate to that very much. You guys should definitely check it out on Amazon. Very good documentary. But on the flip side, Conor McGregor's documentary on Netflix, Notorious, very motivating. You see him on welfare, living at his parents, just training, no tattoos, skinny kid, fighting whoever he can get, getting his rounds in, very vicious, 
sparring sessions, very hungry, and you see the rise and the momentum build hot and like a roller coaster up until the Diaz fights. And then the documentary ends with the, them just stating that he just beat Eddie Alvarez and he was going on to fight the greatest boxer of this generation. And that's pretty amazing. That's why it, it seemed that the documentary was made. Like he, he did everything he could ever ask for. And everything afterwards, the Khabib fight, the two Dustin Poirier fights, the Cowboy fights, the whiskey, it was just gravy. And good job by Stephen A. Smith for pressing Conor McGregor about three times in their 20-minute interview about Conor. Why should we believe you? Why do we believe that this is the old Conor, that there's passion, you know, that you're not just the sales guy? And Conor McGregor lied to us and himself. And I, I really hope that he goes back and reflects and takes time to reset because there was no need for the personal attacks. Sell your whiskey, pump up yourself. Tell us what you're going to do different strategically wise in the fight against Dustin. That's cool. But to get vicious and personal with Dustin Poirier's wife, family, his charity, uncalled for. And as Poirier said, my favorite quote of the press conference, Connor used to have better stuff, referring to used to be better in your press conferences. And I agree with that. So Poirier, what's next for these two guys? Poirier is going to fight Charles Oliveira, a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner, a guy who's going to know what the hell to do with the guillotine and grappling exchanges, who's going to bring it for five rounds, who's hungry as hell to prove that he is the number one guy. It's not just a vacant title that Khabib left up for grabs. Charles Alvera recently knocked out Michael Chandler back in May. Phenomenal fight. It's one of the craziest fights. Oliveira gets rocked in the first round, wrestles. Chandler gets rocked in the second round, tries to fight through the fire with swinging punches of his own, and Oliveira finishes the job and gets the title and is a very humble dude. Nobody has any idea who this is. I tell people what's uh, that I was watching the, the fights with. They're like, oh, so what's next with uh, Poirier? And I'm like, he's going to fight some guy named Charles. Like, okay, well, cool. And it's funny because he's got such a proper name, Charles Oliveira, but this guy is a devastating, devastating fighter who's put his hands together with his jujitsu abilities. Charles Oliveira, you get on the floor, it's just a matter of time. If he has more than a minute to work, there's a good chance he's going to submit his opponent. And he's young. He's 31. He's been in the UFC for a decade. And Poirier paid a lot of respect to him in the pre uh, post-fight press conference, saying that I respect him because he's had adversity. He's had up-and-down battles in his career, wins, losses, wins, losses, embarrassment, up-and-down weight classes, but finally has found his own. And that is going to be a battle 
That is a battle for the true now lightweight championship. Uh, the, the first fights after people leave, I never fully believe that they're the champion in my mind. George St. Pierre leaves and he leaves the title up for Lawler and Condit. It's like, okay, you are the champion, but the fight after the next fight, if the champ does not return, the next fight is a true unification because I love this sentiment. You're not a true champion until you defend the belt. So now, Charles Oliveira, you have the chance to prove that you are a true true champion against a guy who will try to rip your head off with his fists and will be well-prepared on the floor. He's been grappling. If you guys see this documentary, Fightville, he's been grappling with black belts for decades now, uh, over a decade now. And I'm very excited for that fight. And we will see the true fight fans. And we will see the true marketing campaign from ESPN if they care about this fight whenever it's booked in the late fall, winter, next year. We will see. I cannot wait for this fight. (sighs) I think I want Dustin Poirier to win. I think I want him to win. Just as long as he continues to be modest, be humble, spread the good word, doesn't step on the grave of Conor McGregor, the current grave. But for McGregor's path, what's next for the notorious one? More money, more travel, more business, more time with his kids, more time to think, more time to recover, more time to replay things. Over these last five years, since the last time he won at 155 pounds, November 2016, Madison Square Garden, UFC 205. I was in the building. I brought the luck. Maybe it's my fault, but that is the last time that McGregor won at 155 pounds. Obviously, he had the fight against Cowboy that was at 170 pounds. The trilogy is there for Conor McGregor against Nate Diaz. Obviously, that would just be huge. That'd be fun. They could do it at 170 pounds, McGregor might say. We started at 175, uh, 70 pounds. We continued at 170 pounds. We're going to still do it at 170 pounds. I don't like that. Who cares about what you did in your first two fights? Conor McGregor obviously just hangs on to stuff, writes his own narratives however he wants but in my mind, it should be at 155 pounds. The winner of that could then fight the winner of Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Ooh, I, that could, I could sell that. I could promote that. I could get behind that. Nate Diaz, and, uh, Nate Diaz is on a win streak at 155. His last fight at 155 actually was to Conor McGregor uh, uh, the week before Conor McGregor fought um, Jose Aldo about six years ago against Michael Johnson put on a phenomenal boxing masterclass against Michael Johnson. He looked phenomenal, shredded, cardio for days. And I would love to see Nate Diaz back at 155 pounds. I think his true focus would be there. I know he's got a bigger frame than people give him credit for at 170. He could take punishment of an elite 
170 pounder. But I think if he focused, got down to 155, we would see the best Nate Diaz we've ever seen. And McGregor, I think he would be relaxed. He knows that he has a victory over Nate Diaz, and he knows what he's going to get with Nate Diaz, boxing and a war. So I think Connor would totally sign up for that. There's also, like I said, the Javier Dos Anjos fight, RDA, ally Kinta fight if he wants to come back. Both those fighters could get a big win in the next 12 months and put themselves in a better position for Connor to be appealed by them. But the fight world is always churning and it's cool. Let Connor disappear for a year. Guys, unfollow him. Whatever you see on social media is just going to be advertisements from him for his whiskey and whatever else he's got going on. I commend him for his donations and his tunnel to towers work for first responders. Good job. Good job for whoever does charity. It's awesome. Just don't mess with Dustin Poirier's charity. So, guys, tomorrow I'm going to try to do another Octagon back-to-back live shows. Uh, I will recap the rest of the card. Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson, Ty Shui or Tui Shui Vasa. There we go. Uh, Greg Hardy, Irene Aldana, Yana Kuniskaya, Sean O'Malley, Chris Moutinho, and the rest of the UFC 264 card. I'll recap that more. Maybe I'll throw in a, another take or two. But the Aitigan is back doing live shows. I just I couldn't resist. I've kind of, I've been meditating for this past month since I put out the two sides of Sean, but your boy is back. The Ike Degon, again, leave a comment on Twitter at Ike Feldman, at Ike Degon, or call me, call on me, call me. 646-820-9848. Give me a motherfucking call, people. All right. I hope you like the elements. I hope it sounds good. Uh, I don't really care. It's the, it's the, I do, but I'm just going to learn as I keep going. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.